right, thank you, praise team. It is great to be back. In fact, I haven't been here to speak in chapel since fall of 2005 with my last impact team as I traveled. It was the next year that they asked me to be a part of um, the Word Life Bible Institute and be a part of that ministry. And so I transitioned into the Bible Institute ministry as the Dean of Men and the Dean of Ministries. And uh, then they asked me just um, a couple years ago to teach Bible survey. And now I'm the Associate Dean of Students and still carrying various other hats. And there's lots to do at Word of Life. And so those of you that are studying here and preparing, we need your help. And every missionary that stands before you says the same thing. But we need your help to reach uh, our youth culture of Canada and uh, to train young people in our Bible institutes and in our camps to know the Lord, to love the Lord, and to want to serve the Lord. I'm so thankful for my training here that, uh, that prepared me or began to prepare me for what God had. Um, and again, I'm just so thankful. I praise the Lord. I haven't arrived yet. Teaching Bible survey now for three years. And every year, studying through the entire Bible, there's more there. And probably one of the biggest mistakes I made graduating was not reading my Bible every year, cover to cover. And I picked that up a number of years ago, um, but I regret those few years that, you know, you kind of think, ah, uh, I got this. <laughs> no, you need to read your Bible. And this needs to be a place where you're trained to read your Bible and trained to do your devotions and trained to study the Word because it can't stop here. If it just stops after you graduate, you just got enough religion to tick people off and to make people annoyed with you. <laughs> so please, as you're studying, think of this as just the beginning. And I want to encourage you with that because it's one of the lessons I learned as I graduated. This morning, let's turn in our Bibles to Philemon. As you do that, I just want to mention a couple of things that we have out, I have out on the table, as every missionary does as they come through. We have a program called uh, 310, Doctrine, Life, and Ministry. Our uh, summer ministry team, if you're interested in coming and uh, being with us for a summer of ministry, we would love to have you as a counselor or even to work on maintenance or kitchen or something like that and take a team of high schoolers under you and disciple them this summer. It's one of the things that uh, in our camp organization is everyone has a discipler in the entire camp staff from the lowest rung of the totem pole all the way to the camp directors. Everyone is being mentored. Everyone is being discipled and into the word every week. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, we would love to have you come and join us for a summer between your years here. Uh, And then as well, uh, I'm sure Gary Stairs and Barry Speck and the guys when they were here mentioned, we have our online quiet times now. It's kind of like devotions and Facebook put together, but you can have Bible reading plans, your prayer journal, your passages of the Bible, and our, the We're Like Quiet Time all online. There's a community group there where you can interact with people and pray for people. It's, it's a great opportunity. To, please take one of those cards and try that free for 30 days. Uh, our teacher source material, the Word of Life Local Church Ministries, maybe, I think Barry Speck was here at least to teach, I think it was second year, uh, about the LCM program. All the resources are available online, so you can check that out with that card. And then finally, if you would pray for us as missionaries, we'd appreciate it very much. I know Christmas is over, but I have a few of these left. If you'd take our prayer letter and pray for my wife and I, there's some pictures of our three kids there, and you'll hear more about them this weekend. And uh, then our prayer letter as well, or our prayer card as well. If you would uh, take one of these and pray for us, you know, stick it up on your bulletin board or in your Bible or something. I know you have a lot of these, but if you take some time to pray for us, we'd appreciate it very much. All of us at Word Life are faith missionaries. We raise the support to do what we do. 
And we'd appreciate your prayers for our ministry, for our financial support, and uh, for our impact in the lives of young people. And I appreciate your prayers this weekend as uh, I share God's Word. This morning we're going to look even just briefly in the next few minutes at the book of Philemon. This weekend we're going to study the book of Jude with the campers that are coming. And uh, it's going to be eye-opening for a number of them to see where the battle of contending for the faith is really taking place. So I'm excited about that. I love sharing the Word of God. And I would appreciate your prayers as uh, we come to the Word this weekend. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to look to Your Word. And Lord, we thank You that in these pages we find everything that we need for life and for godliness. God, I pray that would be the stand that we take in our lives and in our ministries. That every need in everyone's life that they face has an answer from Your Word. Lord, I pray that we would found our lives on Your Word and on Your incredible truth revealed to us. Pray, Lord, um, for this chapel this morning, Lord, that you give me, uh, Lord, your wisdom and your insight. Lord, I don't know these students. I don't know where they are in life. I don't know what they're struggling with. But, Lord, you do. And I pray by your spirit that you would take your word this morning and impact each one of our lives. Lord, I pray for the chapel that is happening in Owen Sound right now as students are bowed before you and opening the scripture. Lord, I pray for uh, Kevin O'Boyle, our assistant dean, as he for the first time in a chapel, opens your word and uh, takes my place. Lord, I pray that you would calm his nerves. I pray that you'd use your word to impact students there. And I thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers in Owen Sound. You hear our prayers here. You are the same God. You are the great God that is going to work in all of our hearts. Word of Life and at New Brunswick Bible Institute this weekend. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for how great you are in your name. Amen. All right, the book of Philemon. You can pray as well for our students as they enter uh, another busy weekend of snow camp. This is weekend number six and second to last. So the prayer, uh, my prayer for you guys this weekend is that it's not just, oh, here's another one. We did this last weekend. We can do it this weekend. Same prayer for our students in Owen Sound. Yes, they've done five and they, they know the drill now. But pray that it's not routine. And pray that every camper gets the same treatment as the first week did. And that we see these as lives that need to be changed. And I hope that that's our uh, passion. That's our heart here as well. So the book of uh, Philemon, uh, we want to look at this morning. Um, I'm not going to get a chance to, to cover everything that I'd like to talk about this morning. But I would like to look at three, uh, a couple of aspects from the book. And I've kind of titled this morning, Doing Whatever It Takes. And you saw in the background there, climbing a mountain. If you're going to climb a mountain, I mean, there's work that goes into it, there's effort, there are going to be problems that come along the way. Any adventure story that you read of, of some of those great physical feats, you know, there, was, there were consequences, there was cost, there, there had to be commitment, there had to be dedication to do it. And along the way, problems came about, and they had to do with it. And if you're going to reach the goal, you need to commit to do Whatever it takes. And the question this morning is, am I willing to do whatever it takes to live for God? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to do what God wants me to do? And hopefully we're going to outline this morning what it is God wants us to do, and then what we need to think about as we make a commitment like that. Are we willing to do whatever it takes? In the book of Philemon, we meet three major characters, of course, 
Uh, as you guys, some of you have already studied it here, we have the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter, probably dictating it to uh, Onesimus until he comes and signs off at the end. So we have Paul the Apostle. He's the man. He's our minister in this situation. He is the one uh, in, involved in the ministry of seeking to reconcile two people. We have Philemon, whom the letter is written to, and he has been offended. Now, we read in the passage, and let's come to it, in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So he's a Christian, and he's an active Christian leader. And to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. And so here's Philemon. Paul calls him a a brother. He calls him a fellow laborer. Uh, Philemon is a wealthy, uh, probably Roman Christian who opens his house and has church in his house. They didn't have the big buildings and stuff we have today. It wasn't going to go well to meet in synagogues. So they met in people's houses. And Philemon was wealthy enough to have a house big enough to host a church. Not only that, we have this character Onesimus that we meet And he really is the main character. As Paul writes to Philemon, it's about Onesimus. Onesimus offended Philemon. Big time in that culture. We're not just talking about he called names behind his back or something. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. Philemon was rich enough to have slaves. He probably had many slaves. Onesimus would have just been one of them. And Onesimus ran away. Not only did he run away, but they hint a little later in the passage when Paul says, anything that uh, uh, I will restore to you, anything that Onesimus has taken, there's an idea that Onesimus probably ran off with some family goods. He probably stole wealth from from Philemon as well. And so not only did this slave, who is the property of Philemon, run away, so stealing himself away, but he probably also took some things from the family as well. And that's an offense. And in, the Roman, in Roman times, that's a no-no. It's a big no-no. Now, Philemon probably didn't have the right to kill Onesimus himself. But taking Onesimus to the courts and reporting all this stuff to the court, it would not have gone well for Onesimus. At the very least, he probably would have been beat within an inch of his life. And if you had the wrong judge who wanted to send the wrong message, he could have lost his life in the court system. Uh, but Onesimus has, has very badly in that culture offended Philemon. Well, Onesimus runs away and runs away to Rome so he can get lost in the crowd and he runs into Paul. We talk about the sovereignty of God. And Paul leads him to the Lord. And Onesimus becomes Paul's son in the faith. And Paul at this point, as Onesimus is growing in the faith, he realizes there's something that he needs to do in order to be right with God. You see, Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, and just taking a part of verse 24, it says, First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer thy gift. In the Jewish system, standing before uh, the temple with your sacrifice in hand, Jesus said, 
if you've got stuff, something, somebody has something against you, then forget the offering. Why? Because it's not going to mean anything. Go and make things right with the person you've offended first, and then bring your sacrifice, and then bring your worship. Our worship of God is without effect when we've offended people. 1 John 4.20, and this was written, of course, after Paul wrote Philemon, but I'm sure the principle from Matthew 5 was something that Paul had in mind as he was working with Onesimus. John says, if a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother... Oh, we can put this on the screen, guys. For he that loves not his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother... There it is. Whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? In other words, I can't say I love God and hate someone else. I can't. It doesn't work. If I say I love God, then I have to love others. If I hate others, then I'm not loving God. In fact, our relationship with God, our relationship with God is directly tied with our relationship with others. In 1 Peter 5, I think it's verse 7, as Peter is exhorting husbands to love their wives and live with their wives with knowledge, he says, basically, and this is the JW paraphrase, not Jehovah's Witness, but John Ward, paraphrase, if you got something wrong, <laughs> I do it all the time, I'm just getting used to it, sorry. If you got something wrong with you and your wife, husbands, God ain't hearing your prayers. The most intimate of human relationships. If there's something wrong, husbands, between you and your wives, spouses, if there's something wrong between you, heaven is not listening to your prayers. Is what the Bible says. And so we have this principle in Scripture that our relationship with God is directly tied to our relationship with others. We cannot have peace with God if we are not at peace with others. We cannot say we love God if we don't love others. And we shouldn't bother bringing our worship and our sacrifices and our praise to God if there's something between us and someone else in our lives. And this is what Paul was teaching Onesimus. Now, think about Onesimus. I mean, there certainly is cost involved here. You talk about doing what's right is hard. When you're talking about your diet, there's something you want, something you need, it's hard to do the right thing when there's syrup involved, right? Or any kind of candy or sugar. And when it comes to diet... The reality is, it's hard to do what's right, isn't it? It doesn't really matter what it is. Why? Because we're fleshly. We're, you know, the noetic effects of sin. Uh, We are depraved human natures. We have a sin nature. We now have the shadow of the sin nature in Christ, but it's still there nagging us. And the easy thing is to do what's wrong. The hard thing is to do what's right. Now, to do what's right is always blessed. And to do what's wrong always has consequences. The wages of sin is death. I know it's a salvation verse. What about James chapter 1? When sin is finished, it brings forth death. Not necessarily physical death, but we're talking death to relationships, death and the consequences of the guilt and shame and all the things that it brings into our lives. Always the bad choice, but it's the easy choice to do what's wrong. And Paul was telling Onesimus, look buddy, you got to go back and make things right with Philemon. I want you here. I can use your help in the ministry. You are a, a wonderful son in the faith, and I love you. But in order for you to serve with me, and in order for our ministry together to bear fruit, you must go and make this right. Now, put yourself in Onesimus' shoes. Onesimus knows his culture. He know, he's just a baby Christian at this point. He's got to go back to his owner, his slave master, 
and say, I'm sorry, and present himself, whatever the consequences that Philemon decides. He can drag him to court. He can have him beat, potentially even put to death. Sometimes there's consequence to do what's right. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to make things right with those that I have offended? And for some of us, that means when we get some time today, we need to make a phone call. Or we need to send a Facebook message. Or maybe there's someone on campus that we need to talk to. Why? Because we need to remember our relationship with God is directly tied to our relationship with others. Anybody know what kind of tree this is? Anyone? Anyone? I took this picture in Israel this summer. Just outside of Gath. What is it? It's not an olive tree. It's a sycamore tree. It's a sycamore Okay, we had somebody had it back here. It's a sycamore tree. We took this picture just outside of Gath. Some would claim that this is Zacchaeus' tree. Eh, it's not old enough to be Zacchaeus' tree. Everybody's just claiming fame because they want your money to see it. I just took this out the window of the bus. This is a big old sycamore tree. And a tree that Zacchaeus climbed up into is a reminder of the story that we're talking about. What did Zacchaeus do? Jesus came to his house. Zacchaeus believed that Jesus is the Messiah. He saves from sin. There is salvation. And what was the next thing on the agenda? Making things right with others. And there was a cost involved. In fact, he went the extra mile and said, anybody that I have ripped off, I'll give them back four times. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to restore relationships around us? People that I've offended. Now, some of us may be sitting here and thinking, yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You know what? The 5% that you're guilty of before God, you're guilty of. And we need to make that right. Even the 5%. Now, we hope that, you know, they'll make the 95% right on the other side as soon as we take the first step. If you want your relationship and your worship to be right before God and bear all the fruit that He has for you, we need to do the hard thing and do what's right. There may be consequence involved. We think, too, of all the worst case, it will cost me my reputation. That person will know, you know, that I really did steal from them and... uh, And if I speak the truth and the lies are revealed, then I'll have a reputation as a liar. Then people will know I'm a thief. People, you know what? It doesn't matter. Are you willing to count the cost? Are you willing to face the consequences to do what's right before God? God can take care of your reputation. In fact, I have a lot more respect for students that come to me and say, hey, I cheated, than those I know cheated and they're not talking to me. And I have to go to. Uh, that's just personal experience. As a dean, it's always better for students if they come and tell me first. In fact, I usually take the handbook and whatever points are assigned, it's almost automatically cut in half because they came to me. And God's already at work. So how am I going to punish them? God's already worked them over worse than I ever will. Uh, let God take care of the consequences. Am I willing to do what's right? Because my relationship with others is directly affects my relationship with God. Sometimes there's a cost involved and that little crater represents in this picture the consequences to do right. Sometimes there are pitfalls, but am I willing to take that chance? Am I willing to trust God and do what he wants me to do? And then we have the call to restore. And I love this part. This is Paul's part. And here we have Paul seeking to restore two brothers and he's doing and again 
Paul is doing whatever it takes to bring these two people back together in a relationship before God. Am I willing to do whatever it takes when people around me are at odds? Doing whatever it takes to restore the fellowship of brothers and sisters around me. Paul does that in this chapter, uh, in in this small letter. Um, My question is, what's your ministry philosophy? Now, for some of us, the idea is to just, we need to get people to know that Jesus died and rose again for their sins. Well, that's good, but the problem is, is what do you do with people once that's done? If your philosophy of ministry is just evangelism, got to get people saved, got to get people saved, got to get people saved, then what are you going to do with all these babies that you help introduce to the kingdom of God? There's got to be more to it than that, or you're going to run out of ministry, and you're going to get real stuck in your church and in your local area with your contacts. It's got to be more than that. I would suggest our philosophy of ministry needs to be, just as Jesus said in Matthew 28, and I, I ran into Mr. Boyd, Pastor Boyd, and uh, I know he's been preaching this around here too. Matthew 28 says, "Go, be going and making disciples. And how do we make disciples? Teaching people to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's a philosophy of ministry. And what's Paul, what's Paul doing here? He's seeking to do that. He's seeking to get Onesimus to do what's right and to submit himself to the consequences of making things right and restoring a relationship with Philemon. We're going to look... If, uh, we're not going to have time. On the other side, he's working with Philemon to do what's right to forgive Onesimus. We're not going to have a lot of time for that one. But here we see Paul. I like to call this, and it, you maybe you haven't noticed this before, I want to challenge you, read Philemon again later and you'll pick up more of this. I like to call it sanctified holy manipulation. Some people would call it leverage. Uh, But that's what Paul uses in the life of Philemon. Paul pulls out all the stops. And from the opening passage where he talks about himself as a prisoner, he's going to talk about that again in just a minute. He's going to talk about himself as a slave of Christ. Who's coming back to Philemon? His slave. All of this language in the entire book is used... Basically, to back Philemon into a corner and say, look, buddy, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to set this guy free. And uh, let's read it and see if you pick up on some of that. In verse 8, he pleads for Onesimus. Wherefore, though I might be bold in Christ to enjoin you that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech you. In other words, I could just boss you around, buddy, and tell you what you should do about Onesimus, but I'll just beg you. Are you kidding? What's he? He's the apostle. He's an apostle. He saw Jesus. He was trained by Jesus in the desert. I mean, what else are you going to do when an apostle says, I'm not going to tell you to do this, but you really should do this. That's basically what he's saying. And, and, uh, and again, in verse 9, but for love's sake, I beseech you, being such a one as Paul the aged. So he's pulling the elder card. The aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. He's really laying it on thick, isn't he? And we're just into two verses here. Uh, Which in times past was to you unprofitable. He was a jerk. He ran away with your stuff. In fact, Onesimus' name means profitable. So he went against the meaning of his own name. So you have a bit of a play on words here. He was unprofitable, but now is profitable to you and to me. How is he going to have this guy beat if he's profitable to Apostle Paul? Whom I sent again, 
Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, or receive him just like you would receive me, whom I would have retained with me, that in your stead he might be ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without your mind I would do nothing, that your benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. Again, does he really have a choice here? Verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, put it on my account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. (laughs) He's saying, Philemon, you owe me your life. You owe me, in a sense, almost your eternal life because I shared the gospel with you. You got saved. Wow, a lot of pressure here. Yea, brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote unto you, knowing that thou wilt do also more than I say. And then he finishes with this. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. I mean, what are you going to do with that? And then he says, by the way, I'm coming. Prepare me a room. Does Philemon really have a choice here? I mean, he is laying it on super thick. But here's the thing. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to help people around me restore their relationships? You know, it's going to cost me to stick my nose in that when the guys in the dorm are fighting. It's going to cost me when the silent treatment is flying around campus and I've got to go and stick my nose in and biblically confront someone and say, hey, look, you offended someone. You've got to make that right. It's going to cost you time. It maybe cost you that friendship for a time as that person wiggles under the conviction of the Word of God and doing what's right because they're not willing to count the consequences and do what's right. It's going to cost you. But are you willing to do it? Paul took the time in Onesimus' life to teach him to do what's right. And then he did what it took in writing this letter and putting his own life on the line and putting his, his friendship with Philemon on the line, his relationship with Philemon on the line, It was worth it. Why? To restore believers in Christ. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to restore the believers around me? We have the process of Matthew 18. And again, at every step, it's about restoring a brother, going first alone. Establishing the words of two or three. And those two or three shouldn't be your buddies. Those two or three should be the person that that offending person trusts the most. Not the people on my side but the people that have the most influence in that person's life. Why? The purpose is not to get, just to get that person right. It's to restore fellowship in the body of Christ. Bring it before the church so that everyone can get on board. Again, to restore this person. And then treating them as an unbeliever. What's that? Kicking them out of church? No. It's, then we're not... This person's not acting like a believer. We need to lead them to Christ and restore them to Christ first. It's all about doing what it takes. Why? Because our relationship with others is directly tied to our relationship with God. I'll finish with this. don't have much time to talk about it. But the cost to forgive. Philemon was called to forgive. Here's a slave that ran away. If he doesn't punish this guy, maybe more slaves will run away. It's going to cost him. If he forgives Onesimus, he's got to forget about the money he owes him. If he forgives Onesimus, he's putting his reputation in culture on the line because he let one of his slaves go and didn't punish him. It's going to cost him. He can't hold it against Onesimus anymore. But the Bible says, if I want to be forgiven, then I need to forgive. Am I willing to do whatever it takes?
to forgive those around me. It doesn't matter what they've done. Why? Because my sin before God is so much greater. The cost to forgive. There's consequences to do right. There's a call to restore. And there's a cost to forgive. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to restore the relationships around me that I might be right with God? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would impress these things on our hearts, on our lives. Lord, help us to make things right with those we've offended. Help us to do whatever it takes to reconcile relationships around us. And Lord, help us to be willing to forgive as you have forgiven those that have offended us. May we get these things right, that our sacrifice and our worship for you among the campers this weekend may be blessed and may be fruitful for your honor and glory. Amen. Thank you very much.